fine cloth. Channa covered. Rodhasam having hips. Translation. So this is Maitreya. Enlightening Vidura. The body given up by Brahma took the form of the evening twilight when the day and night when the day and night meet, a time which kindles passion. The Asuras, who are passionate by nature, dominated as they oh, dominated as they are by the element of Rajas, took it for a damsel, whose lotus feet resounded with the twink tinkling of anklets, whose eyes were wide with intoxication, and whose hips were covered by fine cloth, over which shone a girdle. Please repeat, the body given up, given up by Brahma, took the form of the evening twilight, when the day and night meet, a time which kindles passion. The Asuras, who are passionate by nature, dominated as they are by the element of Rajas, took it for a damsel, whose lotus feet resounded with the twinkling of anklets, whose eyes were wide with intoxication, and whose hips were covered by fine cloth, over which shone a girdle. Girdles used to be in fashion. It's something that encircles, but especially, usually we think of fashion when the ladies wear girls. Yeah, to make them look more. It's different. This is not that. The ladies' girdle. <laughs> yeah, this the is cloth simple. that goes around the waist. Yeah, usually the girdle that we think of is shown, is worn as an undergarment, uh -huh. right? Because uh, thin waist is a mark of beauty. In, in the material world. So they want to artificially stuff in their their handles <laughs> or their pot or whatever. But this is this is an overgarment, but it's still encircling. You have more commentary there? <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, Srila Prabhupada's purport. As early morning is the period for a spiritual cultivation. The beginning of the evening is the period for passion. Demoniac men are generally very fond of sex enjoyment, therefore they very much appreciate the approach of evening. The demons took the approach of the evening as twilight to be a beautiful one, and they began to adore her in various ways. They imagined the twilight to be a very beautiful woman with tinkling bangles on her feet. Notice they imagined. They imagined the twilight to be a very beautiful woman with tinkling bangles on her feet, a girdle on her hips, and beautiful breasts. And for their sexual satisfaction, they imagined the appearance of this beautiful girl before them. Take note of that twice, Prabhupada uses the word imagine. Sila Prabhupada Jai. Om Ajnana Timurandasya Jnana Anjana Shalakaya Chakshurun Jaina 
Tasmai Shri Gurave Namaha. I was born in the darkest ignorance, and my spiritual master was kindly opening my eyes with the torch of knowledge. Have my respectful obeisances unto him. So I call this verse Passion's Fantasy. So the Tulpabu read the verse previous, which connects to this, so we should just remind ourselves. Because in the previous verse, Maitreya said, The Lord, who can distinctly see the minds of others, including Brahma's, perceived Brahma's distress and said to him, Cast off this impure body of yours. Thus commanded by the Lord, Brahma cast off his body. And in the purport, we heard that uh, he didn't exactly leave his body, but he cast off the subtle, uh, this demoniac aspect which had infected his subtle body. So, um, so when Lord Brahma threw off his body, his, his demonic mental body, the gross manifestation became twilight. So that was literally true, literally true. That, and think of that. I mean, Brahma is so potent and so powerful that the consequence of him is like discarding clothes. So he, he discarded this subtle body. Sometimes the subtle bodies compared to undergarments, the gross bodies compared to the outer garments, the subtle body to the undergarments. So, uh, this, so he just finished, under the Lord's direction, creating the demoniac uh, population, beginning with these fiends who were chasing him for sex, mode of ignorance. Uh, so then he threw, he threw that off, that body that had created that. And uh, that body became a time of day. Literally, a time of day. And we're going to hear about that a little more later. Um, the gross manifestation of which was twilight, the transition from day to night, the time for passion to ascend. And now, we're going to hear about it more in detail. We've already read this many, many chapters ago, so it bears revisiting. For example, Ditti's inauspicious pregnancy happened in the Evening, like that inauspicious time. The time when Shiva and his ghouls become active. So let's look at those verses again, because they're very interesting. Yeah. This is the third cano. Same cano, but it's much earlier. It's, uh, well, chapter 14, now we're up to 20. So... Um, so, there, you remember the dialogue between Duti and Kashyapa, and she's, she wants to uh, conceive a child, ASAP, but Kashyapa is saying, okay, but let's just wait a few minutes. Uh, he says in 3.14.22, even though it is not possible to repay you, he just really flattered her and saying, you're such a wonderful wife, and even though it is not possible to repay you, I shall satisfy your sex desire immediately for the sake of beginning children, but you must wait for only a few seconds so that others may not reproach me. What was the Sanskrit for a few seconds? Mahurta. Yes, yeah, the wrong Mahurta. Mahurta is literally, I think it's 24 minutes, or is it 48? I think it's 48, actually. 47, yeah. 
Yeah, 48, yeah. So it is at most, you know, less than an hour. So just, you know, chill. <laughs> Good. And then the next verse, he's still explaining to uh, Diti, the inauspiciousness of this time. This particular time is most inauspicious because at this time, the horrible-looking ghosts and constant companions of the Lord, of the Lord of the ghosts, yes, Lord Shiva, are visible. Okay, I'm just looking at the sentence. Yeah, most horrible. Goratama, most horrible. Gorana, of the horrible. Gora darshana, horrible-looking. Gora was all over that verse. Gora. Um, Bhutani ghosts. Yeah. Now the purport, Prabhupada says this. Purport. Kashyapa has already told his wife Diti to wait for a while, and now he warns her that failure to consider the particular time will result in punishment from the ghosts and evil spirits who move during this time, along with their master, Lord Rudra. Now there's more here. Text 24, Lord Shiva, the king of the ghosts, sitting on the back of his bull carrier, travels at this time, accompanied by ghosts who follow him for their welfare. Lord Shiva's compassionate duty, giving shelter to these lowest beings. Purport, Lord Shiva or Rudra is the king of the ghosts. Ghostly characters worship Lord Shiva to be gradually guided toward a path of self-realization. Mayavadi philosophers are mostly worshippers of Lord Shiva, and Sripad Shankaracharya is considered to be the incarnation of Shiva for preaching godlessness to the Mayavadi philosophers. Ghosts are bereft of a physical body because of their grievously sinful acts, such as suicide. The last resort of the ghostly characters in human society is to take shelter of suicide either material or spiritual. Material suicide causes loss of the physical body, and spiritual suicide causes loss of the individual identity. Mayavadi philosophers desire to lose their individuality and merge into the impersonal spiritual Brahmajyoti existence. Lord Shiva, being very kind to the ghosts, sees that although they are condemned, they get physical bodies. So when they take shelter of Lord Shiva, he gets them out of that ghostly existence, sees, being very kind to the ghost, sees that although they are condemned against physical bodies, he places them into the wombs of women who indulge in sexual intercourse regardless of the restrictions on time and circumstance. Kashepa wanted to impress this fact upon Titi so that she might wait for a while because he didn't want to have to deal with some crazy progeny, right? He's, they're supposed to produce good progeny. But Diti, being impatient, started the inauspicious project, because there's always devotees and demons. So, it's got to come from somewhere. And then a few verses later, in text 31, um, this is funny. Uh, understanding his wife's purpose, because she came back and she said, I can't wait, and please be kind to me, and all this stuff. So understanding his wife's purpose, he was obliged to perform the he was obliged to perform the forbidden act. He actually wasn't. 
we all have free will, we can choose the divine or the demoniac. But by Krishna's, he was obliged in one sense by Krishna's will, because this is the whole Hiranyaksha, Hiranyakasya pastime beginning. He was obliged to perform the forbidden act, and thus after offering his obeisances unto worshipful fate, oh, fate is making me do this. <laughs> but actually, uh, it was Krishna, but for our lesson, we don't have to surrender to fate, surrender to our karma. We can take shelter of Krishna. Pur purport. So, in this purport, Prabhupada is going to uh, elaborate on the fall of Kashyapa here, the fall down, but also give us the, the alternative of that we don't have to fall down. Purport. It appears from the talks of Kashyapa with his wife that he was a worshipper of Lord Shiva, because he knew all about Lord Shiva. And although he knew that Lord Shiva would not be pleased with him for such a forbidden act, he was obliged to act by his wife's desire, and thus he offered his obeisances unto fate. He knew that the child born of such untimely sexual intercourse would certainly not be a good child, but could not protect himself because he was too obligated to his wife. In a similar case, however, when Takur Haridas was attempted by a public prostitute of the dead of night, Brahma Haridas, he avoided the, he avoided the allurement because of his perfection in Krishna consciousness. That is the difference between a Krishna conscious person and others. Kashyapa Muni was greatly learned and enlightened, and he knew all the rules and regulations of systematic life, yet he failed to protect himself from the attack of sex desire, because he had some desire too, obviously, or else he wouldn't have cooperated. Thakur Haridas was not born of a Brahmin family, nor was he himself Brahmin, yet he could protect himself from such an attack due to his being Krishna conscious. Thakur Haridas used to chant the holy name of the Lord 300,000 times daily. That's a confidence of report, <laughs> giving us a hint of where the higher taste is. Okay, so that's earlier in the canto. Now, yeah. So, so the demons, Brahma dropped that uh, body, that subtle body, and it became twilight. So potent that it became a whole transition, a whole transition. De the demons mistook the literal twilight for an imaginary woman. Um, so, uh, yeah. <laughs> so when I heard, when I thought of that twilight being an inauspicious transition, uh, uh, an old song came to mind. Together at twilight time. It's an old ballad from the 50s. It was a black, black ballad. So why, why at twilight time? Because that's when passion is on the ascendant. So they're feeling it. Right? So we can protect ourselves from that. Um, so, and what is it about twilight? It's the anticipation 
of material enjoyment. As we've mentioned previously, that's, that's the only real happiness, is the anticipation of happiness. So what does Krishna call this? In Gita, Manogatam, mental concoction. Right? When Arjuna asks, what are the symptoms of a self-realized soul? And, uh, and then Krishna answers. He asks for external symptoms. Krishna gives him an internal answer. And Dhiru knows the verse. Prajahati. No? Let's do this. Okay. Sarvan Partha Manogatam. Atman Yevatmanatushtakstita Brugyastadochite. O Partha, when a man gives up all varieties of sense desire which arise from mental production. Yeah, this thinking about it. Yeah. But it doesn't work out. Happiness and passion. Oh boy, it really doesn't work out, does it? Let's read this. 1839. Really doesn't work out. Although, boy, this is such a promise, right? So, yeah. And this is the verse that I quoted to this Indian man Sunday night. Uh, let's see. Yeah, here it is. 1839. And that happiness which is blind to self-realization, which is delusion from beginning to end, you think it's going to work out, and it doesn't work out. And which arises from sleep, laziness, and illusion is said to be of the nature of ignorance. Okay, this is actually happiness in the mode of ignorance. So what happens? Ah, yeah, it's the wrong number. Hmm. Getting, getting rusty on the numbers here. Okay, it's 38, the previous verse. Uh, Vishayendriya Sanyoga Yatara Grimritom Pamam Pariname Vishamiva Tatsukam Rajasam Smritam. So, yeah, delusion from beginning to end, that wouldn't work because there isn't, there isn't even any, <laughs> nothing there. But at least with passion, you get this sense that, yeah, it's going to be great. That happiness which is derived from contact of the senses with their objects and which appears there's the operative word, and which appears like nectar at first, but poison at the end is said to be of the nature of passion. So there is some happiness, you know, momentary, temporary happiness. That's, that's the will of the wisp that we chase, and there is some rush, but then it quickly fades. And then Prabhupada really flushes it out, pun intended, in the purport. A young man and a young woman meet, and the senses drive the young man to see her, to touch her, and to have sexual intercourse. In the beginning, this may be very pleasing to the senses, but at the end, or after some time, it becomes just like poison. They are separated, or there is divorce, there is lamentation, there is sorrow, etc. Such happiness is always in the mode of passion. Happiness derived from a combination of the senses and the sense objects is always a cause of distress and should be avoided by all means. Also in the fifth chapter, Krishna gives the problem and the solution, as he always does. 5.22-24 Karma Yoga Action in Krishna Consciousness Famous verses 
An intelligent person does not take part in the sources of misery. Sanskrit is dukkayoni, the womb of misery, which are due to contact with the material senses. O son of Kunti, such pleasures have a beginning and an end. And so the wise man does not delight in them. And the next verse, uh, more about... So, okay, but it's there. I mean, there is some... As I told the story of my temple president in 1975, had a personal darshan with Prabhupada, Amarendra Prabhu, our journey in L.A. And so uh, he said, Srila Prabhupada, what is sense gratification? Is it real? Is it imagination? I mean, it seems real. What is it? So Prabhupada said, sense gratification is real because it comes from Krishna. But it is restricted. By the time Prabhupada said the D and restricted his finger, you can barely see his face. <laughs> it's just a little drop of water in the desert, folks. It doesn't do it. Okay, and then the positive alternative. Now, this is karma yoga, action in Krishna consciousness. So these last verses really are uh, designed by Krishna to attract the mystic yogis. So that's the, the flavor of this verse. One whose happiness is within, uh -huh. who is active and rejoices within, and whose aim is inward, is actually the perfect mystic. He is liberated in the Supreme, and ultimately he attains the Supreme. So that within actually is our rasa with Krishna which becomes manifest the more and more we serve Krishna, the more we awaken to that. And that's why, uh, yeah, I'd like to go back to that talk. I mentioned it after the, in, in the morning program <laughs> the other day, on Monday morning, I said I talked to this fellow. So what this fellow was describing to me, we're sitting on the wall there, we're taking our feast. And so he, he said, Babuji, I really have a problem. So his problem was that he met this woman, a Western woman, who, and they met at the, at the uh, Paramahansa Yogananda place. I guess there's one in Tucson, huh? Yeah. So anyway, they were doing their yoga, some kind of, some kind of Kundalini yoga, some, something. So he met her there, right? And he's already been divorced before. Yeah, he was married before. So he's lonely. Okay. So they meet. And just <laughs> like God says. So a young man and a young woman meet. Right. And so, but she's a, a very, she's a very uh, enthusiastic, achieving, she's a, I think she's a doctor. Uh, yeah. She was a well-situated, you know, go-getter. Very passionate. And so she's attracted to him. And so, but he notices right away that um, she's very bossy. <laughs> the last, <laughs> the last thing, you know, the male psychology, he wants to be in charge, right? But she's calling the shots. <laughs> so, uh, but he's, he's like totally, you know, she's totally attracted to her sexually. So I said, look, this is the problem. <laughs> You know, you're, you're chasing this lady, but you can see as the, the more it goes on, it's not going to work. So what to do, Prabhu? 
So I said, cut it. <laughs> Just cut it. This isn't going to work. <sighs> yeah. So, uh, and then I was quoting different verses, and he was, thank you, Prabhu. I don't know if he's going to cut it or not. But anyway, the, the time, okay, so this ties in with, so how do we, you know, so, so Prabhupada mentions right at the beginning of this verse, am I in the right place here? Yeah, yeah, the, the, the topic sentence of Prabhupada's purport is, as early morning is the period for cultivation, the beginning of the evening is the period for passion. So we have a good base in this morning by really getting uh, supercharged with all those panchangas, those different limbs of bhakti, worshipping the deity, chanting Hare Krishna, associating with devotees in the best way, hearing Srimad Bhagavatam uh, in a sacred setting. So that fortified. And then again, when the, the heat of the day is coming back, we have another opportunity to hear and chant. That's the Iskand sandwich. But materially, actually, it's, it's a time when passion and flames, you know, and the, and the materialist, in the night of the materialist, they're just going out to try to enjoy the material senses. So we, so Prabhupada advises us at this time when we're vulnerable to really hear again intensely. Uh, yeah. Okay, so I, yeah, as I mentioned in the beginning, I didn't prepare anything for Krishnadas Kaviraj Goswami or Raghunath Bhattu Goswami or Raghunath Das Goswami. But perhaps, now this is easy because you have a choice of three. If you know anything, any fact about one of the three, yeah. Oh, okay, zero. Well, first I have something about the class. Okay. Then I have something about my class. Okay. Um, it's interesting how the concept of auspicious and inauspicious in terms of time of day is related to the sun. Mm -hmm. The approaching of the sun, the Brahma Mahurta, which begins an hour and a half before sunrise mm. and includes the dawn. Anticipating the sun, yeah. Is very auspicious. Mm. Here comes the sun. Yeah. Right. Right. And then the uh, so the the sun is very auspicious, but then the twilight, which is the disappearance of the sun, mm. that is the beginning of the inauspicious. Mm. And then midnight is really the time of the ghosts and the hobgoblins mm. and the mm. boogeyman and the guys who want to break into the, the fence and <laughs> different things. Um, but it's interesting how it's all related to the darkness and the light. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have, when you have the approach of evening, that's when all the non-devotees become very um, enthusiastic to go to Fourth Avenue. Yeah. And places with bars and nightclubs and yeah. darkness and gambling and illicit sex and intoxication mm -hmm. and meat eating. And they become very enthusiastic and fired up about. It. They become enlivened by the dark. By the darkness. Yeah. That's they their stay moment. up all night, and then they're right before the sun comes up. That's when they're done. Yeah. Right. The auspicious time is coming again. Okay, we're done. The so, owls. You know, you take a place like, uh, you know, like New York City, for example. Yeah. There's much debauchery that goes on throughout the night. Yeah. Um, 
And it's interesting how the different modes of nature are working and how what is auspicious and inauspicious yeah. is related with the times. Yes. That's what is auspicious for the devotee is, seems inauspicious to the materialist. Mm. And the, what is inauspicious for the devotee, that is the time to get fired up for the sense drive. Very interesting how it's all in relation yeah. to the darkness and the light. Krishna. The sun. Yes, the sun. Krishna is... Uh, and Krishna is compared to the sun. Krishna Surya Sana Maya Haya Andhakar Yahan Hedaka Yahan Krishna Tahan Maya Maya Hedaka What translation? Krishna is Surya. like the sun. Maya, Maya like ignorance is the darkness. Darkness. Where you have the sun and the darkness cannot remain. Yes. The motto of back to God. And also, in the, in, when you were speaking, I was thinking of the concept of protection. From the, from the darkness and the in the, these times what's so-called auspicious or what is auspicious or materially anyway auspicious and inauspicious so when Krishna describes this at the end of the 8th chapter according to Vedic opinion there are two ways of passing from this world one in light and one in darkness when one passes in light he does not come back yes but when one passes in darkness he returns and then Krishna, the second to last verse of the chapter before the roundhouse punch, although the devotees know these two paths, O Arjuna, so the devotees are well aware of the cosmic mechanics of the universe, they are never bewildered. Therefore, we always fix in devotion. And now, in the purport, Prabhupada really gets into this and how we shouldn't worry about what's auspicious and inauspicious, if we're Krishna conscious. Krishna is here advising Arjuna that he should not be disturbed by the different paths the soul can take when leaving the material world. A devotee of the Supreme Lord should not worry whether he will, listen to this, depart by arrangement or by accident. Of course, there's no accidents in the material world, but what appears to be an accident is like if he'd inaugurated, he was a very sad and inauspicious event in 1980, I think it was 88, yeah. So we had, uh, Mervi was leading the boys in a bike trip. Dhruva. Yeah, Dhruva. Yeah, and they were on a bike uh, hike, bike hike. And uh, they were going from to Lewistown on 322. And it was a big, it's a huge, dangerous curve. Everybody knows this curve when they approach it, when they go to, from, you know, from town to Lewistown. And so, uh, so Druva was, let's see, where was he in the pack? Anyway, long story short, he was going around a curve and his big, Mack truck came behind him and didn't see Druva because it was one of these curves where you can't see what's ahead of you because the curve is so sharp. And so Druva must have strayed from the bike lane a little out into the, and just got clobbered and never knew what hit him. He just, that's, the, you know, at least it was instant. You know, that's what the coroner said afterward. It was instantaneous. It was, you know, instantaneous. But Prophet says here, so not worry whether he'll depart by arrangement or by accident. And you hear devotees dying in accidents. But if they're Krishna conscious, 
you know, even if, and then Prabhupada elaborates, the devotee should be firmly established in Krishna consciousness and chant Hare Krishna. He should know that concern over either of these two paths is troublesome. <laughs> yeah, if you're trying to just calculate, you know, when the, the auspicious moment is, it's, it's, material nature is very tricky. Uh, it's troublesome. The best way to be absorbed in Krishna consciousness is to be always dovetailed in his service, and this will make one's path to the spiritual kingdom safe, certain, and direct. Yeah. So, yeah. So, uh, there are auspicious and inauspicious times, but we basically were being fixed in Krishna. Like Dhruva, or Prahlad Maharaj. Uh, Krishna Graha Grahitatma, even though he was being tortured by his father, but in so many ways, this five-year-old boy, throwing off a cliff and poison and snakes and so and crushed and all this stuff. He was just chanting Hare Krishna. So the Prophet says in the purport, because uh, Prahlad was uh, under the influence of the Krishna planet, because there was Saturn, Rahu, and Ketu. Externally, that's what was going on. And so uh, then, because Prahlad was was under the influence and the protection of the Krishna planet, Krishna, Graha, Grahitatma, he had nothing to worry about. Krishna was personally protecting him. Okay, so... Uh, any more questions or comments? I'm ready for Raghunath. Okay, Raghunath, but, okay. Who's probably not the most famous of the six Goswami. Right. And he was the son of Tapana Mishra, hmm. who's one of the associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Chandrasekhar Acharya Tapana Mishra lived in Varanasi. Right. And when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu went there to convert Prakashananda Saraswati and his 10,000 Mayavadi. <laughs> Followers, yeah. um, they were there, and Raghunath Mata was there at that time. He was born in 1505 and passed away in 1579. Uh-huh. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's dates are like 1486, 1534, 1534. Yeah, so he was only in his 20s when Mahaprabhu was like. And he got the association of Mahaprabhu both then and then later in Puri, and, and um, Mahaprabhu asked him to go to Vrindavan. Mm-hmm. And chant Hare Krishna and recite Srimad Bhagavatam. Yeah. And it said that his voice was as sweet as a cuckoo. And he was also a very expert cook. And he would recite the Bhagavatam in five different tunes. Mm-hmm. And every day he was reciting Bhagavatam in mm-hmm. Vrindavan. That was like his thing. Mm-hmm. And he would he would wet the pages of the Bhagavatam with his tears of spiritual emotion. Wow. He also believed that all devotees were sincerely Krishna conscious and he over that everyone's faults should be overlooked mm. and not spoken about. Mm. Uh-huh. And also he had a wealthy follower uh, build the temple of Radha Govinda, the Radha Govinda Mandir of Vrindavan. Ah. But that's Rupa Goswami's temple, no? But Raghunath Bhatt was the one that had it constructed. Oh, okay. Because Rupa Goswami's Radha Govinda deities. Oh, okay. Yeah. Raghunath and the patron to do that. It's nice. Yeah. That's, and but generally he did not want to be mentioned so much. Hmm. And there's not a lot, like he's not mentioned much in Chaitanya Charitamrita still there. Did they specifically ask Kaviraj Goswami not to mention him? I believe that was the case. Yeah, I heard that. 
And Kaviraj obviously couldn't contain himself in a few places. <laughs> and he also helped uh, compile the Hari Bhakti Vilas, Sanatana Goswami. I think he was the editor. No, that's That's Gopalpa? Oh, you're right. That's right. You're right. Thank you. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Anything else about Kaviraj Goswami or Raghunath Bhatt? Or Raghunath Das? Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami. It's interesting that he was almost, in a lot of ways, similar to Prabhupada. Prabhupada was, you know. He was what? Prabhupada, towards the end of his life, he was very elder and he was doing his Bhaktivedanta purport. Krishna Das Kaviraj Goswami was ill and infirm. Yeah. And he's like, there's no way. Yeah, after every cha- at the end of every chapter, it's like he's just in such a mood of uh, service, and it's their blessings, and they were his primary shiksha gurus. The, the, the glories of Kaviraja Goswami is very deep because Rupa Goswami is a very prolific author, having written some one hundred thousand shlokas, mm-hmm. and um, he's also the Rasa Acharya for our Sampradaya, the yeah. expert in the science of Krishna Bhakti. Mm. And Kaviraj Goswami, his Chaitanya Charitamrita is filled with verses, quoted verses from Rupa Goswami. Filled, there are so many verses from Rupa Goswami. Yeah, you're right. He is not only just a follower in name, but he is a great scholar of the teachings and the writings of Rupa Goswami. Mm. That's one of the glorious things of Chaitanya Charitamrita. Makes it such an authorized philosophical work mm-hmm. because he has scrutinizingly um, understood everything yeah. about Rupa Goswami's mm-hmm. writings and teachings and philosophy. He's absorbed that and then he's presented that in Chaitanya Charitamrita mm-hmm. along with the narration of Mahaprabhu's pastimes, which is just completely excellent. Yeah, that's the. Uh the definitive biography. I mean, there's so many, Chaitanya Bhagavad being another famous, but yeah, CC, that's why Prabhupada stopped in 73 to start translating CC. After, uh, was it Govindadasi asked him to do it? 
No, actually, it wasn't Govinda. So Prabhupada mentions this. I've been asked by friends and disciples to give us this work. Right. And tonight we'll convene for the wake of another great soul woman who inspired us all for the short time she was with us. Um, so 5.30 in the parking lot. We'll have a little caravan for the funeral parlor. Anything else? We'll have an Akadasi breakfast. Srila Prabhupada Ki Jai. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. 729? That was 29. Yeah.